The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. Danny Lipford here along with my co-host, Joe Truini. And boy, do we have a great hour set up for you. We're going to be talking about a lot of things I'll bet you're able to use at your house right away. Just like vinyl siding. You have vinyl siding, you want to get it cleaned, we'll tell you what to do and, of course, what not to do. Uh, Sewer smells inside a home are never welcomed. Where's it coming from and what can you do? We're going to figure that out. Also, tips on choosing the right garage door for your home. If your garage is on the front of your home, then it's making a quite a statement for your curb appeal or lack of curb appeal. We'll tell you some of the things uh, to make it real easy to choose the right door. Also, crumbling concrete. We've got a, kind of a borderline situation here. We're going to dig in with a homeowner and see if we can come up with a solution on that. Of course, we've got a lot of emails we're going to share with you. And of course, my buddy Joe has a simple solution coming up. What can we expect, Joe? Well, this is a bit of an odd one, but I really like it. It's how to attract earthworms to your garden and why you should do that. What's the benefit? So I've got a quick, simple solution, how to get those earthworms into that soil in your gardens. Perfect. It always is an indicator of, of a good, hardy soil if you That's have right. some um, earthworms in there. Um, but we want to hear from you. We want to help you out with anything that you have. You can send us an email anytime. Todayshomeowner.com slash ask is where you need to go, or you can pick up the phone and call us. We're going to grab a few of those calls from the hotline right now. Yes, good morning, gentlemen. I'm um, having trouble with my water softener. Um, I had a new one installed probably like three weeks ago. I'm still not getting no soft water. The soft water, the hot, seems to break down the soap. Um, When I shower, my hair is in a rat's nest. Thank (laughs) you, and have a wonderful day. All right, the old rat's nest hair. Yeah, well, well, Joe, you're the one to solve the rat's nest hair. What do you, okay. what, what, what do you think on this? Boy, we get more and more calls about um, water softeners we and do. problems yeah. with them and so forth. What, what do you think um, that this homeowner needs to do? Yeah, I had one installed probably not six or eight years ago now, but um, she's right. The first thing you notice when you have a water softener is that soap really lathers well. Um, your hair doesn't get all in skin, doesn't get all dried out because what you're doing, of course, you're removing all those minerals that cause those problems. So obviously this is not working. Uh, this particular water softener rather is not working. Um, first thing to check is make sure all the valves are open and water is indeed entering the brine tank. Um, but since this was only three, three weeks ago, and she's having problems, call the, call the contractor back. He would be happy to come back and check it out. Um, there's very few moving parts to a, to a typical water softener. There's just so much that can go wrong. So um, I think I'd call the contractor back and have them check it out. Because like I said, maybe a valve isn't fully open. Maybe water's not entering the particular, the tank where it's supposed to be. There's, there's something that's not allowing this conditioned water, this soft water to flow into the pipe and through the rest of the house. There you go. All right, let's get back to the uh, today's homeowner hotline for another call we received this week. 
hide. We have vinyl siding on our house, and we were wondering um, how to clean it or what we need with the pressure washer or what kind of chemicals we need to wash it. It's kind of a avocado green siding, white trim. We've heard about a lot of different things, and some leaves like a white film, and so we weren't sure what to use. I enjoy your program a lot. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for uh, calling in on the Today's we Homeowner just, Hotline. We were just talking about pressure washers and how uh-huh, people sure are always asking us about those. And, and pressure washers fine to use on vinyl siding, but just like any surface, you just want to be careful that you're not, you know, damaging it or using a tip that is too um, streamlined, you know, that's too focused. You need one that's more uh, widespread and so forth. But to release a lot of that dirt and so forth, something that will help you a lot is something we recommend all the time, TSP, trisodium phosphate. You can get this, make sure you you follow the directions and all the safety precautions, even though it's very safe to use, you still want to make sure that, you know, you're using it properly and mixing it properly. Uh, and it's available everywhere, paint stores, Home Depot, everywhere. And you just mix it and then you apply it. Um, you might even uh, get an extension handle with a, a soft bristle brush and just apply it uh, to a section of your house, give it a few minutes to work a little bit, and then take the pressure washer or a hose and go ahead and, and brush it on down. You'll be surprised. It does make a big, big difference. You, and it's probably dirtier than you think because it right. does get yeah. a lot of uh, grease and grime on that. But that should make a big difference and really make that vinyl siding look um, like it should look. Let's go back to the hotline for another call. Yes, I have a fiberglass tub and shower surround. And it's got little bitty hairline cracks up by the drain. I was wondering what I could use to possibly repair those cracks. Uh, it'd have to be clear. Thank you very much. All righty. Well, uh, we get uh, calls like this, and there there are the little hairline cracks there. Most of the time, it's surface cracks and not something that'll create a leak. But every time you're in the shower, uh, you're seeing that thing. And I know that's a little, um, you know, makes you feel probably a little uncomfortable. Joe, I'll tell you something I saw in a house one time. What's that? That um, somebody did. And, of course, I had to ask, what what is that? They basically... Uh, put a round circle around the drain. They came out about two, three inches on it. Right. And then they painted it with epoxy and they huh. painted it, painted it white. Right. Going back to the theory that if you can't blend it in, really make it stand out. And, um, I, you know, it was a little odd looking, but it was so well done and so uniform circle that it almost looked like it was some type of drain or something like that. So uh, it didn't look very bad. But to try to solve that problem with the cracks, with something clear that makes it look original, that's going to be a tough job. Yeah, I'm not sure what to recommend. If it's a, if it truly is a little, very small hairline crack, meaning it doesn't go through the shower pan, the fiberglass shower, then, you know, probably isn't anything to worry about. Um, but there is a product that we've recommended in the past called EZR, the letters EZR, hairline crack sealer. And it is clear. And it comes in a little bottle with a spout and just apply it and it seeps in and seals it. So I would certainly try that because that probably costs like eight or nine dollars for a bottle. Um, Other than that, the only surefire repair to a fiberglass would be to put in a fiberglass patch, which you'd have to hire a pro and it requires you know, sanding and mixing fiberglass resin and pouring it over to crack. And then you have to embed fiberglass mesh and, and then let it dry and then go over it with some other surface, usually Bondo to spread it out and then paint it. So that, that's a lot of work. At that point, I'd probably just remove the 
mm. fiberglass and replace it. Now he's saying fiberglass. I'm assuming this is fiberglass and not acrylic, which most mm -hmm. tub and shower surrounds are acrylic. But if it is indeed fiberglass, he'd have to. Um, I'd try the hairline crack sealer first. There you go. Yeah, that's a tough one right there to make it really blend in. It's so hard to make things blend in. Hey, let's jump over to our emails right now. You can send okay. us one right now at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. This came in from Jay. said, I'm remodeling a 100-year-old home and would like to install new plywood subfloor throughout the house. Should we keep the old subfloor and simply lay the new plywood on top, or do we need to pull up the old subfloor? If we don't have to remove the existing subfloor, I can repair any damage before installing the new plywood on the top. Boy, I've done that project a time or two. Um, as long as it's, um, you know, no spongy parts in it, if there's anything that's a little spongier moving, you need to shore that up. And then if there's anything that is rotted or just doesn't look right, replace that. But then you can put plywood right down over it. And to tell you the truth, uh, most of the time when I have done an overlay like that, I've actually gone down to three-eighths inch plywood instead of half inch or anything bigger, uh, unless you need the support. If you're mainly doing it to kind of tighten it up a little bit, make it nice and smooth and pro provide support, three-eighths inch sanded plywood is all you'll need. I would recommend construction adhesive, and I would definitely recommend screws instead of nails. And also, if you can identify where all of those joists are underneath, pop some lines and make sure you get some good um, screws going all the way through the new subfloor, old subfloor, right into the joist, the floor joist, and that'll tighten everything up. And uh, then probably we'll need a little bit of floor patch compound here and there, uh, depending on what type of floor you're putting down. But I've done this many times, Jay, and it works uh, very, very well. Just like I say, uh, you only get one chance to keep that floor from squeaking. So lay on the construction adhesive and don't spare any screws while you're putting it together. Hey, we're just getting started on this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes. And by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show that's heard coast to coast on some amazing stations like KFIRAM 720 in Sweet Home. Oregon. What a great name for a town. Um, yeah. Special hello to everybody there around Oregon. We get a lot of listeners up there and a lot of stations up there. We really appreciate you listening to us each and every week. And we want to hear from you and we want to help you out. Send us an email, todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can uh, give us a call at 800 946 4420. That's what Manny did in, in Michigan. Manny, welcome to the show. And uh, what's going on at your house? Hey, good morning, Danny. Thank you for taking my call. Um, in my primary, the ensuite, when I turn on the water, cold, uh, mostly the cold water, then I get a, a sewer smell sometimes. So that's my issue. I don't know if it's coming from the drain or if it's coming from the water. So. Okay. Well, most likely it's coming from the drain, and there's so many different things that can be 
uh, contributing to that, everything from uh, not being vented properly that's uh, allowing the sewer gas to back up through. And normally when sewer gas uh, backs up through a drain, it's because the P-trap that you have under the sink is uh, does not have water in it. It's supposed to have water in it all the time at the lower part of the trap. And there's various reasons for that. There might be a small leak in there. Or there might be something that's drawing that out. But there, the sewer gas should um, be blocked from coming to smelling inside your home by that water in that drain. So I think um, I would take that uh, drain apart. It's usually just hand tight and you can see what's in there. Uh, good time also to clean all of that out because there's always a lot of hair and other things that are in there. But also, um, Joe, what about um, breaking out the vinegar again in the baking soda? Do you think that might help just kind of sanitize it a bit? Yeah, I think that's what you need to do. And, and Manny, I've had this problem in our bathroom and I couldn't figure out why I'd smell sewer gas when I'd turn on the water. And I thought, well, maybe the water was had a smell to it, but the water was fine. Um, and so it's actually, I don't think this is, if it's the same problem I had, it's not actually sewer smell. It smells like that, but it's actually a different smell that's created by mold and mildew that builds up in the overflow um, uh-huh. hole on the side of the sink, in the trap, in the tailpiece particularly. The tailpiece is the straight piece of pipe that comes directly out of the sink drain and goes down into the trap. Um, <clears throat> because if you use this for shaving or washing up all the time, you know, hair has protein in it and that gets stuck and that creates... It basically looks like a black, almost like crud, like a thick putty of black. I don't even know why it turns black, but that's what's creating the smell. So what you could do is just pour chlorine bleach through the overflow hole and down the sink drain. And then I always turn the water on for a few seconds because you don't want the the bleach sitting on the drain and the in the bottom of the sink. <clears throat> Excuse me, bottom of the sink because it could corrode the chrome or whatever's there. Um, or short of that, then just take everything apart and clean it really well. Take down the trap, stuff a rag through there and pull it through just to wipe everything out. And the tailpiece, I don't really disconnect it. I just reach up there with my finger or with a stick or something and just scrape the sides of it. You'd be surprised what comes out of that. And I think that's what's causing the smell. So first try the bleach. And if that doesn't, that'll kill it immediately. But if it comes back, then you're going to have to dismantle part of that drain system and just clean it all out. Okay, great. So I know what I'm doing this weekend. Just regular, <laughs> regular old house bleach. Yeah, just regular old chlorine bleach. Pour it through the overhole, the overflow hole, and then, like I said, down the drain hole itself. All right, great. Yeah, because it only happens in that one sink. That's right. Yeah, well, that's good. If it was happening in every sink, then you might have a different problem. So that that's good. But I don't think it's sewer. I mean, as long as the trap has um, water in it, which it should. Then, and if it didn't, you'd find water inside the cabinet. Um, then it shouldn't shouldn't be sewer, actual sewer gases um, coming up through the in, through the drain into the house. All right. Well, thank you so very much. I appreciate the information. All right, Manny. Good luck. Okay, Manny. Best of luck to you. Have a great weekend. You too, gentlemen. Take care. Cleaning out the drain. <laughs> yeah, don't go golfing. Try this instead. <laughs> hey, Joe, you know, we've gotten so, we get so many. I mean, we have such great listeners, just what, what, just a wonderful audience. And, sure. you know, I've been able to, um, since I've mentioned uh, my retirement and the um, the show ending up, the television show will end up in just two or three weeks. And then, uh, you know, you can find everything on streaming channels. And then, of course, the radio show will go to the end of the year. But gotten a lot of uh, emails and everything. People kind of curious 
of a, uh, you know, what am I going to do? Um, and you know, what I always, aren't what aren't you going to do? That's what I, I got. A, I got a lot of things going on, but the main thing I'm doing now it's like uh, somebody told me retirement is like being back in um, high school where you really didn't have any responsibilities. Right. Uh, of yeah. course, you didn't have any money either, so that you know kept <laughs> you from doing anything. So with um, you know, so so I'm I'm kind of having a little fun there, returning to that kind of a feel of freedom and and also. Um, I'm stocking up on toys. So, I mean, I got a oh, okay. brand new basketball goal out there. I used to love basketball. I'm going to start yeah. playing a little more basketball with the kids and so forth, um, you know, and a lot of other little things that I'm doing there. But uh, yesterday I had a, a kind of a unique experience. I've been wanting to buy a wave runner or jet ski for a long time. Right. Because I know the kids will love that. And Personal and watercraft. Personal watercraft. So uh, I found one um, that was for sale, and uh, the gentleman met me at a um, landing so that I could test drive it and so right. forth. Uh -huh. Well, I started thinking. I said, you know, I can go from there to where I live on yeah. that jet ski and— Sharon, my wife, can bring the trailer back and all of that, and and I, I you know, I think that would be fun. Well, I did that yesterday, and I was about uh, thirteen or fourteen miles away. Which, wow. um, if you haven't, you know, if you haven't ridden a motorcycle very much, the, I can relate it to that because you get on a motorcycle and ride for about uh, you know ten or tw twenty miles, and you go, oh. Ouch! You know how, how how do people ride this across the country? But you get used to it and everything. But anyway, I, yeah, I was a, I'm a little sore today from um, bouncing that thing around. But so I I, I think the guy was confused because he said, "Well, uh, I said, you know," and I had a, some gas I was going to put in it, and he says, "Oh, you won't need that." And uh, I think he didn't still understand how far I was going. Right, right. So I take off. Everything's going fine. I'm going about fifty miles an hour on this thing. Whoa. I'm, see, I'm seeing boats and ships and uh, a couple islands along the way, and it's going along. And then all of a sudden, an alarm went off, and You're it started beeping and everything. And I look down, and it's got a gas uh, tank um, flashing oh, on no. my display unit. Oh, great. Well, I was right by a bridge, so I ran, ran into there, hoping I would make it that far. I ran in, and there's gas pumps. So I pull right, right up there. Guy comes right out, huh. fills it up immediately. Um, eight and a half gallons of gas. I think it only holds 10. <laughs> so so, so uh, the guy didn't, uh, you know, because usually when you buy something, you don't expect it to be full of gas. Well, it wasn't. And right. I guess he was mixed up telling me that it was. Well, he but, didn't want you taking it to Mexico and never seeing you again. Yeah, That's why he so. didn't fill it up. Maybe so. But but anyway, uh, I made I made it I made it back and uh, have it sitting out there. Uh, so you bought it. Have the, uh, so I bought it. Yeah, oh, beautiful. So I won't have a fantastic time. Took the wife on a little um, late afternoon run around the river a little bit, uh -huh. and, uh, but it's way faster than I need to go. I mean, these things, yeah. uh, I think this thing goes 60 miles an hour. Oh, that's way too quick. I don't need to go 60 Because they don't have brakes, right? No, they don't have brakes. Yeah, but I mean, you're, you, the, you're you, the brake. You let off on the gas, and it does slow down very quickly. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, we'll have some fun on well, that. that's and, great. And I'm getting, I'm buying a little slide for the kids to slide right into the river and uh -huh. all of these things I've been wanting to do for years. I'm just doing them all right now. It's like Every Club Dan. Yeah, you know, it's going to you know, be. There's Club yeah. Med. It's like That's Club right. Dan. Yeah. When, when they come, they'll be 
um, traumatizing um, Chelsea and uh, Brandon uh, to uh, bring them down, bring them down to Pop Daddies. That's right. We don't need summer camp. We got Pop Daddy. (laughs) And we've been having a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I took them to a wrestling match. I took them to the rodeo. Rodeo. Yeah, I saw the rodeo. rodeo. Yeah. Uh, That was was pretty cool. But anyway, having a lot of fun, and we appreciate all those great emails. And, uh, you know, share some some things with us, some things that we've been able to help you with along the way. You can do that at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. You're listening to today's homeowner radio. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to tell you all about the importance of choosing the right garage door. You're listening to today's homeowner radio. Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. You know, when it comes to improving a home's curb appeal, there's a lot of opinions about where you should spend your money. Some people tell you it's all about landscaping, while others will tell you it's all about the front door or maybe adding some shutters to your house. The fact is, one of the biggest components you see on the front of many houses is the garage door. So, if you want to make a big improvement, there isn't a better place to start. That's why garage door replacements continuously rank among the highest return on investment for common household renovations, according to Remodeling Magazine's Cost versus Value Report. So we're not just talking about slapping on a coat of paint here. We're talking about adding a new garage door that enriches the character of your home by using its vast and visible square footage to enhance the architectural style of your home. So choosing the right door is important, and the folks at Wayne Dalton have made it so much easier than it used to be. Not only do they make all the doors and accessories in a wide variety of styles to work with any kind of architecture, they're also, they've created an app to help you choose the right one and the right combination. The Wayne Dalton Garage Door Design Center allows you to see what a specific door in a specific color will look like on your home. Now, you can even add windows or hardware so your garage door can do more than just open up the garage. It can open up your home's potential. You need to check out this Wayne Dalton Garage Door Design Center, and you can do so by going to wayne-dalton.com. That's wayne-dalton.com to find out a whole lot more. We did an episode on my television show recently where we worked with the Wayne Dalton folks, and it was pretty amazing uh, being able to tell you. I mean, these were some sad doors that were on there and badly needed replacement, and uh, they replaced the two of them, and it made such a big difference on it. So, uh, And, and again, the, uh, the return on your investment is pretty significant. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I mean, how many years have we been saying that this cost first value report has been saying that the highest return on your investment is a garage door. Now, I, I, now I, I thought I knew quite a bit about home and construction and product. I never would have guessed that, that a garage uh-huh. door is, would be that important. And I think it's because of a lot of garage doors face the street. That's right. And exactly. so, and they're big mm-hmm. doors, they're facing the street and this is what you see. I mean, I'm fortunate my garage doors are perpendicular to the street, so you never see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's pretty impressive that um, you can, they have an app now that you can design your own door. 
Oh, yeah. That just makes you feel a little more comfortable when you're making that kind of investment. We appreciate our friends at uh, Wayne Dalton for working with us and telling us uh, all about that. Hey, you know, talking about the emails that we get, I want to share another one. That's a little bit lengthy, but I, but this really sums it all up in a lot of different ways. And I really appreciate someone taking the time. This came in from Beth, and she was actually on our radio show last week. And she said, hey, Danny and Joe, I want to thank you for the opportunity to ask my questions on the radio show today about my basement wall leaking. Uh, my sincere apology if I talk too much. I was really kind of kind of nervous. Not at all. You did a great job. Hey, I'm such a fan of the show. When I moved back into my mom's house after she passed away from Alzheimer's, um, I really didn't know how to do anything. I watched your show, listened to the radio show, and learned so much. I also asked a friend of mine in California through email who never misses your show, and I sometimes ask some of the older guys up at Home Depot, and YouTube is helpful as well. But I trust what you, the ex say. It was like a dream come true and answers to prayers to be able to ask your expert advice today. Grateful for your direction. I'm headed to Home Depot right now to get a couple of the products you suggested, including Concrobium, Mold Spray, TSP, and so forth. I was not aware of how to apply the dry lock paint. I will put two thin layers on as directed by Joe. In the past, I was told just to put on a thicker coat. I realize in the future, I may need to get a basement professional job, but trying to hold out hold on to my DIY projects for right now. I'm quite determined to stay on top of the items. I am blessed to um, hire my um, cousin's husband recently as he was off work to help me on a few things. And she went on to describe how that has worked out so well. So um, so anyway, we just wanted to read a portion of that. She also went on to say, additionally on the show, I love when Danny's daughter Chelsea is on and um, he is teaching her everything and she does projects really well. I certainly wish my father was like this. I just jokingly refer to Danny as my TV dad. Uh, <laughs> but you're not old enough to be my dad, but I also love to joke around as well. Anyway, just some very, very nice emails that we're getting and appreciate each and every one of them. And uh, of course, we're still getting plenty of emails on questions that people have. Let me grab one of those. Kara from Florida says, Hi, Danny, I have a mystery that I was hoping you could help me solve. My condo has a very strange odor that smells like nail polish, and it's given me a terrible headache. The smell started a few days ago, and it comes and goes. It seems to be concentrated in my condo, not in the hallway or from my neighbors. What do you think could be the source of the odor? Of course, Joe, that must be some type of paint thinner or something along those lines that will, will you know, put out that type of odor. Uh, but I wonder, you know, it seems like she would be able to narrow this down yeah. by, by using her nose to try to locate exactly where it is in there. And it could be something spilled under the sink, could be something right. spilled in any utility closet, um, or it could be coming from an adjacent um, project that maybe someone's doing. Mentioned that it just started a few days ago. Maybe the right. neighbor is involved in some type of kitchen renovation or something like that. But um, not sure we've ever gotten a, a an email about nail polish odor. Yeah, um, I think when she says nail polish odor, she's probably means nail polish remover. Uh, and, it might be, yeah. Uh -huh. And yeah. and because that's what you smell is that acetone smell. And you're right. The first thing is do is check around since it's just started. Maybe it'll just end. But you want to make sure someone's not using some kind of material, you know, paint or who knows what. But sometimes an acetone smell comes from either an air conditioner, a central air conditioning unit, or a heat pump that has a small leak in its refrigerant. And when that refrigerant leaks out, that's what you get. You get that sort of acetone or nail polish remover smell. Um, so, you know, if, if that's it, 
you know, she's going to have to call in a professional. In fact, I would do that immediately and let them, I think they might even have a device to track mm -hmm. down a smell. Um, it's it's but, called a sniffer. A sniffer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they bring in a blood, a bloodhound. Um, <laughs> so I would check to make sure that there's not a leak in either the air conditioner or heat pump or whatever she has there. Cause that refrigerant does have a pretty acrid odor to it once it starts leaking out. And you know those air conditioners are working hard right now, no matter oh, where you that's live. Right. It yeah, is she's in really Florida. Working. Yeah. It's amazing. I think it's supposed to hit 100 degrees here today, which oh, is it? Wow. puts the heat uh, value up to 115 or whatever. I, I think I may need to get on my wave runner and let the wind blow my hair back. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or something like that. So. Or blow it off your head if you're doing <laughs> yeah. 60 miles an hour. Exactly. <laughs> hey, we're going to roll on here. When we come back, we're going to talk about a problem with concrete. Is it going to require replacing all of it, or can it be repaired? We'll explore that and a whole lot more when we come back. You're listening to today's Home Auto Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. You know, we try to reach out as much as we can to help you, and we want to make sure that you know how easy it is to send us an email. Todayshomeowner.com slash ask is all you need to do. That's exactly what Tim did from Ohio. He says, my concrete driveway needs a little help. Some parts are slightly crumbling, some a bit more, and um, I've sent pictures to be able to show you exactly what I'm looking at each and every day. Tim, we did get the pictures there, and it does look pretty bad. I don't know what's going on with this. Uh, uh, Joe, I would suspect that there was no reinforcement wire that was put right. in this yep. for it to crumble like this. And I also suspect that maybe when they poured it, they maybe added a little bit too much water. Mm -hmm. um, that yep. is something that a lot of homeowners just aren't aware of that, you know, if you have a concrete finisher that, let's say, isn't interested in doing the best job possible, he's going to have the um, the concrete truck operator add more water than you probably need because it's easier for him. It's a lot easier. If it flows gotta, a lot easier. Right? Yeah, it flows yeah. a lot easier and easy to be able to work that in and so forth. Um, but that could be the case here. But I, but I, I would be afraid, you know, we, we mentioned uh, Quickcrete's a phenomenal product, Recap, quite a bit. But I'm not sure looking at these pictures if that might be – uh, a little bit more damage there than recap or anything could actually repair. Yeah, if this if it's just a surface that's um, deteriorating and has some surface cracks, I think a resurfacing product like recap would work. But as we often say, if it's cracked completely through the slab, then there's really nothing you can do. If you put no. recap over it, it might prevent it from cracking again for a little while. But, you know, even the experts say once a slab is cracked all the way through, meaning straight through, if it's four inches, the crack goes straight through four inches. There's really not much you can do except tear it out and report. I'm not suggesting that's what he does, but um, 
Yeah, I think I would probably try resurfacing it. What's the worst that could happen? It's going to be a lot cheaper than pulling it out. Yeah, or maybe a section of it. You know, right. do, do a, a section because, right. uh, you know, it should have score joints in it, control joints in it that will allow you to have a stop and starting point. But uh, you might try that. That's, a you know, very little money invested in it or time. And then you can uh, see how that performs for a few months and decide whether or not you want to do the rest of it. Another email here from Missouri. Janet asked, I hired a contractor to install vinyl plank flooring in my condo, but I decided to remove the baseboard and carpeting myself to save some money. However, after pulling up the carpet, I found two eighth-inch wide cracks in the concrete slab. One crack's nearly 20 foot long and is unlevel in some sections. The other crack's about five foot long. Uh, do these cracks need to be fixed before the floor is installed? Mm, that's a yes. good question, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, do that. Um, and, you know, you, you have a f- floor patch compound. You can go to custombuildingproducts.com and find out all about it, or you can go to Home Depot. They have it right in the store there. And basically, you either mix it up or it comes pre-mixed. You use a smooth trowel, and you just trowel over it to cover up the crack and also to kind of feather it a little bit because if not, I guarantee you, that look that you're seeing there, that crack will transfer up through the finished surface of the vinyl plank flooring. I installed this in um, a condo I have, and uh, I was surprised. Uh, I mean, I had a pretty smooth floor there. Uh, I didn't go to the extreme of sanding it. I probably would if I did it again, because, you know, if the sun hits it just right, you see some of the unlevel areas in it. So uh, the answer to your question, Janet, without a doubt, patch that, make it as smooth as you can. And if you see anything else, uh, whether it's a divot or a raised area, go ahead and address those at the same time. And really not that hard to rent a um, floor sander, one for concrete like that. doesn't take long for you to go and do it. Then you can be assured you got the best surface possible. And I'll bet your floor contractor has one of those available. Yeah, Danny, we often say in a situation like this, this is your only chance to fix it. So you better do it right the first time because you're not going to pull up your floor to fix it later. And they do make a fabric. It's called crack isolation fabric. It's about six inches wide, very thin. And what you do is you put down mortar, a thin coat of a thin set mortar. You set this in it. And then when it cures, then you go over it with more mortar. And what it does, it spans the crack. And so the idea is it's called crack isolation is that if the crack opens or closes, it's isolated underneath this. So she should try that too. That'd be a quick and easy way to do it. If not, hire a tile contractor. Tile contractors often install these fabrics. That's right. Well, and, you know, a a version of that that I've done dozens and dozens of times. Oh, the vinyl flooring, right? Yeah. I've built so many additions over the years where you're pouring a slab against a slab and maybe there's a a case opening or opening between the old and the new. So you have a pronounced crack there because it's going to crack a cold joint, as they call it. Right. And I used to go and just buy a one foot by 12 foot or whatever I need piece of the cheapest, thinnest vinyl I could get. And then I glued it right down over that crack, then let it dry, a little bit of floor patch compound around it, and I move forward with the floor. Never had one that ever failed. It worked very, very well. Hey, when we come back, it's simple solution time. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Fluid Master. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. 
And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. It's amazing how fast the show goes each and every week. That's because we're having fun and hope you are as well. And along the way, I hope we've been able to provide you some information that you can really use around your house. And one of the coolest pieces of information that we provide each and every week is when it's simple solution time. Joe, what do you have for us this week? All right, Danny, we were talking earlier about attracting earthworms to your garden, and there are very many benefits to having a healthy population of earthworms in your vegetable gardens and flower beds. Uh, First, worms burrowing in the soil increase the amount of air and water that gets into the soil, which is always good. And they also break down organic matter like leaves and grass into nutrients. So the plants in your gardens can use to grow, you know, much healthier. Also, when worms eat, they leave behind castings that actually turns into a rich type of fertilizer. So these are many reasons why you want to attract earthworms to your gardens. But how do you do that? Well, here's one way. What you do is take a large loaf of unsliced bread. It could be stale or fresh, doesn't matter. In fact, most supermarkets have an area where they sell like day-old bread or two-day-old bread. So, you know, you can use anything like that. But you want the largest loaf you can get, unsliced bread. You bury it about four inches deep into your garden bed. And then within just a few days, worms will start eating and digesting the bread. And within a couple of weeks, the bread will be gone and you'll find hundreds of additional earthworms in your soil. Is that right? Yeah. So that is a great way to attract. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, And if the bread is really stale, I mean, after you bury it, you can water it, water the soil around it, and that'll help, you know, soften up the bread a little bit. But yeah, it'll attract the earthworms and they'll just, you know, populate your, your garden. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I think um, you can sell just about anything these days because my wife is now buying worm castings in a bag. Who is collecting worm castings? I have what, no what kind of idea. pooper scooper is that? It must be a I teeny, have no idea. One. That seemed like a tedious wow. job, but it's not that expensive. Well, you mix it in with other plants. Oh, you just, yeah, you just you mix it in all through there just for the same reason, I guess. But um, yeah. Joe, have you ever heard of diamond hunting boots? Diamond hunting boots. You ever heard of one? I'm not sure what you're saying. You're saying diamond like a diamond, jewel? Diamond, like jewelry. Oh, diamond, diamond hunting boots. Diamond hunting boots. Right. Now, these are boots for hunting diamonds, or that's well, just the name ex- of the let boot? Let me explain. So my wife, of course, the darn Amazon truck keeps coming up to my house all the time. <laughs> and uh, and so she, ha- she she I hear this sound, clunk, 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 and I look over, and she's got these black, real, actually kind of cool-looking rubber boots on. Right, And I go, okay, let me go ahead and ask her what that is. I assume it's something to do with gardening. Hey, what are you wearing? These are my diamond hunting boots. What? Okay. And then I remembered we have a trip planned. I don't know if you've ever heard of this Diamond Crater State Park. It's over in Arkansas. It's this big 40-acre field or, or more. Right. That they have been finding diamonds in this field for decades. Wow. And every now and then they will plow the field. They won't tell anybody about it because too many people will show up, but they'll randomly plow the field, which will unearth even more diamonds. And they have all of these little tricks where you use water and a centrifuge and all this content to find them. And every single week they're finding seven or eight diamonds. Now, some of them may be, you know, very small. Some of them are a third of a carat. They found one there that was three carats. Wow. Well, Sharon has been wanting to go ever since she was a little girl. And so we're going to hook up the motor home and head that way here in a month or so once it cools down a little bit. And I'm sure Amazon's going to come up with a bunch of mining tools. <laughs> but what you know, are the, the boots little, for the hunting little, diamonds? Because though? it's muddy. 
it's just all muddy oh. out in the field. So, um, so they're just and, boots. They're boots, yeah. But I mean, they look <laughs> okay. kind of cool. But she calls them her, her diamond hunting boots. Oh, okay. And um, so anyway, I'll, I'll have did to. Did she uh, buy you a pair of diamond hunting boots? No, she didn't. I'm not, no, I'm not, of course not. I, I'm not going out in there. I'm just I'm gonna sit and read <laughs> newspapers or something. <laughs> hey, that's going to pretty much wrap up the show for this week. We certainly appreciate you spending some time with us. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my buddy Joe Truini and our producer engineers Scott Gardner and Brad Rogers, and the whole today's homeowner family. Hoping you have a great weekend. Come back to be with us again next week.